proclaim your greatness today, that you are God alone, and we've come to worship you, we've come to open our lives to you, we know that you are with us, we ask that you would make us aware of your spirit present and your spirit at work, and we pray that you do great things in this gathering of your people today, we pray this through Christ Jesus, amen. We welcome uh, all of you to worship this morning and uh, we invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are worshiping here today. Uh, the boys had their, uh, their time of racing sailboats and cars, and this week it's the girls' turn. And so we want to invite you to, uh, if you can, come at 6.30 or anytime between 6.30 and 7.30 to cheer them on as they race the boats they've made and the cars they've made. And it's just a fun time. And I've, I've heard rumors that there's some food to eat as well, so that may draw you if the races don't. Uh, but it's a great time of uh, just enjoying our children and watching them, cheering them on as they have a great time together this Wednesday night. Next Sunday morning is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is the children will be uh, bringing in palms. Uh, we are at the beginning of Holy Week, and next Sunday, and as a part of that, Sunday evening, uh, we'll be gathering for a uh, choir concert, a, a music presentation, a, a Rudder's Re- Requiem, and we invite you to make plans for that next Sunday evening, and you see that information in the bulletin about it. 
And also, we're at the point where we are collecting, getting ready to collect plants for Easter morning that we will bring out on Easter morning. And if you would like to donate plants uh, in honor or memory of someone or just simply want to donate, uh, you see the information in the bulletin about doing that. We, uh, there are also a number of prayer concerns. We want to pray for not only the needs that are connected directly with us, but also the, the world. And you see, we want to pray for uh, those who have been affected by the Ebola virus in West Africa and uh, pray for God's healing and for an end to that and for Alan and Sherry Shea as they prepare to come home and that God will uh, use that time here in the States to restore them as they make connections with family and friends. Good morning. This is the day uh, that we've announced over the past couple of weeks where we are holding the pastoral call vote. Uh, the vote this morning is a very simple question. The elders recommend to you that Pastor Wes's call be extended for four years, and you are asked to either agree or disagree with that recommendation. Uh, the places to vote are in the back here in the sanctuary foyer and also in the foyer of the Christian Education Building. Uh, simply uh, find your name on the membership list. This election is open to covenant and community members. Check off your name from the list, take a ballot, mark it, and put it in the box. The elders encourage you to participate in this vote, and we thank you for your time and effort. At this time, we'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back but a portion of all that God has blessed us with.
Scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Would you please stand for the scripture reading? Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The word of the Lord.
Father, we praise you for Jesus, for all that he has done for us. We pray that you would continue to help us understand Christ and what it means to follow him and your call in our lives. May your word come alive for us. We ask this through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. If you ask people what is prayer, you'd get a variety of responses. Some people would say prayer is adoration. Some people would say prayer is praise. Some people would say it's thanksgiving. Some people would say prayer is uh, petitions, asking for God to do something for someone else. For some people, prayer is meditation. 
It's contemplation. We all have different images that come to mind when we think about prayer. I read about a little girl who was on her way to church one Sunday morning, and she was afraid she was going to be late, so she was running down the sidewalk. And the whole time she was praying, God, please don't let me be late. God, please don't let me be late. And in the middle of that running and the praying, she tripped over the curb and fell. Dirty, tore her dress. She got up, dusted herself off, took off again. And as she's running toward church, she's prayed again, God, help me not to be late, and then added, God, please don't push me either. <laughs> you, you know, when I read that, I, there were a couple of things that came to my mind. I was, I was kind of convicted and inspired. I was convicted because here was a little girl who just saw God in life and in everything, and, and I'm not sure I always do that. And, and the other part of it that, that inspired me is that here was a little girl who was just being honest with God. She was just saying what was in her heart toward God. And there is something about praying honestly that is so important in our journey with Christ. And yet it's something we wrestle with. But not Jesus. As we come to this scene of Jesus in the garden, he is probably an hour or less from his arrest, his torture, and his execution. He knows what's coming. He realizes this is the hour. And all of it is pressing in on him. And he goes to the garden and his first recourse is to pray. And his prayer is pure honesty. He says in verse 42, Father, if it's possible, can you find another way to do what we want to do for humanity? Father, if it's possible, could this cup pass from me? Now, that's not unwillingness. That's just honesty. That's just Jesus saying, Father, I'd really rather find another way to go through this. Jesus is in such agony as he prays that Luke says his sweat is like drops of blood pouring off of him. The agony, I, I suspect, is probably about the impending physical torture that he is going to endure over the next 12 to 18 hours. But I think it's also the internal, spiritual pain that he's going to endure. That in hanging on the cross, he is going to take upon himself the sins of the world. And he is going to feel the shame and the guilt of sin that he's never felt before. The kinds of feelings that you and I feel probably on a regular basis. Knowing we shouldn't do this and we do it anyway. And then afterwards feel this this deep sense of shame and guilt and remorse. And we feel separated from God. We feel that God doesn't love us anymore. Why would he after we've acted this way and done these things? And now Jesus for the first time is going to wrestle with those same feelings. And he's agonizing in prayer. And he's saying honestly, Father... If there's another way than having to go through that. And Jesus' prayer is a call for you and for me to pray honest prayers. 
It's important to understand. God knows our hearts anyway. So why not say it? There is something about speaking the words, something about acknowledging what's really in our hearts that has power to start moving us toward getting where we need to be in whatever we're struggling with. It's it's the first step of of every 12-step program. Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm alcoholic. Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm addicted to gambling. I'm so-and-so, I'm a drug addict. It's the first thing. You can't go anywhere until you first acknowledge the struggle. And sometimes we're afraid to be honest with God because we think, well, I think sometimes it's because we've, we believe that once, once we acknowledge our struggle, then it becomes real. And until we acknowledge it, there is this little thing in the back of our mind that says it's not really real. But when it's real, then there is a sense of having to address it. There is a good chance that God's going to call us to some action that we don't want to take. It's going to lead us to pain It's going to lead us to difficulty just as it leads Jesus to death. But Jesus also knows that not only does it lead him to death, it leads him to life. And what happens out of his willingness to be honest with God is to just simply say what's in his heart. Our natural inclination is to run from God. It's the first thing Adam and Eve do in the garden. When they sin against God, they run and hide. And that's our natural inclination. And of course, that's ingrained into us through our experiences. Because once, you know, sometimes if we're honest with other people, they reject us. They turn on us. They have this horrified look on their face. And we're pretty sure we're never going to have the same kind of relationship with them again. Our relationship doesn't go forward. It goes backwards far too often. And the evil one puts into our minds, that's what God's going to do with you. God's going to judge you. God's going to turn from you. He's going to reject you. You cannot acknowledge that kind of struggle. You can't acknowledge that God is calling you to some decision about your future and you know it's what God wants you to do and you don't want to do it. You can't tell God that. He's going to reject you. You can't acknowledge to God that you're struggling with some sin because God's going to reject you if, if, that sin be, if you acknowledge that sin. You can't acknowledge your role in this relationship that is either broken or is leading, moving in that direction because then you might, God's going to ask you to take responsibility for it. You don't want to be doing this stuff. Just run and hide. But it is, there is power in Jesus' honesty with God. You will notice this picture in the garden. The disciples sleep while Jesus prays. And I have this sense that the reason they sleep, it says that they're, they're overwhelmed with sorrow, but they don't really understand this need to be honest about the struggle that Jesus has warned them about. I mean, Peter has just said if. Maybe uh, 30 minutes before, Jesus, I'll go to death with you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the dawn comes up. No, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm great. It's Jesus who's honest. 
and who moves forward in victory. It's the disciples who simply ignore what's really going on in them and end up defeated. And it's a struggle. You know, it's a wrestling. But it begins with honesty. But as important as honesty is, we, don't, we can't stop there. Honesty is what gets us moving in the right direction. But ultimately, that the honest prayers with God need to move toward surrendered prayer with God. At some point, we have to say, God, here's my struggle. Here's the honest truth about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I really want to do. And then to say, but I'll give it to you. Jesus not only prays, Father, if it's possible, could this cup pass from me? He then says, not my will, but yours be done. I'm giving it to you. I'm surrendering. Or in the words of some, I'm relinquishing. And this prayer of Jesus becomes the prayer of relinquishment, the prayer of surrender. It doesn't happen overnight. More often than not, in our struggles, we don't pray once, it's done, it's magic, and we move on. For most of us, it's a process. It's, a, it, it's moving. It's a journey. Jesus, the writer of, of the other, writers of the other two synoptic gospels, Matthew and Mark, tell us that Jesus prays this prayer three times. He prays it, goes back to the disciples. He prays it again, goes to the disciples, and he prays it again. And I don't think he only prays this phrase three times. I think the whole hour that he's in the garden praying, it's this prayer. Over and over and over again. And I have a feeling that this is a prayer Jesus has been praying for some time. This is not something that he just now thinks about as he's kneeling in the garden. This is a prayer that he has been struggling with, wrestling with for a long time. And you and I, I mean, Jesus struggles with things. We should, we, we should feel comfortable struggling with things. It's a part of the process. But in our hearts, we keep bringing it to God, not because we're fighting him, but because we are just continually trying to release it to him. And the prayer of relinquishment, relinquishment, the prayer of surrender, is not a giving up. It's not throwing up our hands and saying, well, I just quit. It's giving to Taking this struggle, this burden, whatever it is that we're wrestling with, whatever this is that we've been fighting with, and we, we give it to God. And more often than not, we will give it to God once, twice, a dozen times, 50 times, over and over again. Because in our hearts, we are continually asking God to keep giving it to him, continuing to surrender it, continuing to give it up. As Richard Foster says, this struggle to surrender, this struggle to relinquish changes things. It changes us, but he says, not like a tornado changes things, 
but like a grain of sand in an oyster changes things. See, we think this prayer of honesty and surrender, we think of it all as negative. We think we're, we're losing so much. We're giving up so much. We're walking into so much difficulty, and we probably will. But ultimately, it's life. Ultimately, it is moving from a life in which we just settle for mediocre, mediocrity to a life in Christ that is great. It is because Jesus is willing to, to surrender, willing to relinquish and give to God his, his future, his life, this whole process. It, after death comes life. And out of that life, out of his life, comes life for us. It feels like we're moving backwards. When relinquishing, surrendering is really moving forward. How do we know that? Because we are relinquishing whatever struggle the struggle is to our loving Heavenly Father. It's not a coincidence that Jesus prays, Father. When I think of this prayer, and I think of praying to the Father, I'm reminded of what... Jesus says in the 11th chapter of Luke's gospel, when he's talking about prayer and teaching his disciples about prayer, and he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God's design is not to... It's not to judge us or to pummel us or to to create all of this negativity in us. It is to move us to a place where we have so surrendered to him that we can really live. And we do that with our lives. And we do that with the struggles that come to us. It's a call, the call to relinquish, the call to surrender. It's a call to live. To be set free. In his book that's just titled Prayer, Richard Foster tells about an acquaintance of his who for a number of, of months was badgering him to come and do a seminar on the prayer of inner healing for, some of, for her and some of her colleagues. He didn't really want to do it. She lived in a city quite a distance from him. It was going to take up a, a great amount of his time. And he, he just he realized there were a bunch of people, there were people where she lived who could do that seminar as well or better than he could. But she kept asking him to come. She kept badgering him to come. And finally, they were together at a conference. And again, she brought this up. I'd love for you to come and do this seminar. And he said, all right, look, here's what we're going to do. You go home and you pray about this. You talk to God. Don't speak to anyone else about it. And if, if six people ask you about doing this seminar, I'll come and do it. 
They said, now, now mind you, he said, I wasn't trying to listen to God. I was just trying to get out of a speaking engagement. And so she went home. And within a week, she called him and said, Richard, I've been praying about this. I haven't said a word to anyone but God. And I've already had 12 people who approached me and said, hey, you think we could do this seminar? It's like, okay, I'm trapped. I got to go. So he went. They met in the home of his friend. There were 15 social workers as a part of this weekend seminar on the prayer of inner healing. At the very first session, as they were sitting there in a circle, one, a gentleman in the group said to them, look, I want you guys to go easy on me because I'm not one of you. And by that he meant he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a believer. And they took that with, with a high level of grace and they were very kind and gentle with him all weekend. And he said that the Holy Spirit came upon us during that weekend and it was a powerful time. He said so much so that when we got to Sunday afternoon, that same gentleman said to the group, would you all pray for me to receive Jesus in my life the way Jesus is in your lives? And Foster said that it was one of those moments where they looked at each other and didn't know exactly what to do. It felt like the normal responses just weren't quite adequate. And they waited in silence for a few moments. And then a young man got up and he walked to where this gentleman was seated. And he put his hands on his shoulders and he prayed for him. And Foster said, it's, it's a prayer I will never forget. Said, in fact, I felt like I should take my shoes off. It was holy ground. But the funny thing is, he prayed a television commercial. He said, at that time, there was a commercial running for Nest Tea, where there were pictures, people were out in the sweltering summer sun, and they were, they were just sweating profusely. And they picked up a glass of Nest tea and they tipped it back to drink it. And as they did, they fell back into a swimming pool. And as they hit the water, they made this ah sound. And he said, this young man with his hands on this gentleman's shoulders prayed that he would be able to just fall back into the arms of Jesus. And have that sense of ah. And he said the man began to weep. He began to sob. And it was a grace-filled moment as he opened his heart to Jesus. And Foster says, that's a perfect image of the prayer of relinquishment. All we're really doing is taking whatever it is we're wrestling with, whether it's our lives or some struggle that we are confronted with, and and we're falling back into the arms of Jesus, into the arms of the one who went to the cross for us, into the arms of the one who loves us with an everlasting love, who will never reject us, never fail us who is always for us and wants what's best for us. We are simply falling back into his arms and giving to him. 
And despite everything that may happen in that process of relinquishing, there is that sense of, ah, because it's Jesus. And I'm convinced that the best place to pray these prayers is in the church. Now, I know you may be thinking, really? Because we have this image of the church as being kind of judgmental, closed-minded. In the church, we, we have to be careful. We wear our masks. We, we put up facades. Or we, we hold our cards close to the chest. We don't, want to, we don't want people to know that we're wrestling with things. But that's not the way Christ intended the church to be. Christ intended the church to be the one place where we feel accepted and loved, where there's grace and mercy and forgiveness. And yes, we do challenge each other, but always in that spirit of love and mercy and support and grace. And that's why when we were talking about about our vision statement and and we asked the question, if, if Christ... If Christ could make us the church that he wants us to be, if the Spirit would so fill us that we would be the church that we were intended to be, what would that look like? Some of the things we wrote are that we would acknowledge our personal and corporate brokenness. That we would be honest in our prayers and with each other. That we would affirm our dependence on each other. That we need each other. That we would embrace and love all people. That we would live together in ongoing forgiveness as God has forgiven us. That we would practice gracious discernment and mutual confession and love for our enemies. That we would be a place, a safe place, to offer honest, surrendered prayers. That this would be A hospital. And a hospital is a place for people who have need. And the church is a place for people who have need. And that's all of us. All of us. And so this morning, we are going to to provide the opportunity to pray. The elders and the pastors are going to come here to the altar rail and we are available to pray with you and for you. You may want to come and and, and offer a prayer, ask us to pray about healing for you. And we did this about a month ago and, and some of you may have come and asked for prayer at that time. If you want to come again, that's perfectly fine. We're happy to do that. Maybe you want to come and and have us pray about uh, your future. There's a decision that you're wrestling with. Maybe it's about a relationship. Maybe it's about your life surrendered to Christ. And you need to feel comfortable as you come forward to say as little or as much to us as you feel comfortable. Because I know you may not know everyone here. may not know them well or at all. God knows. Just be honest with him. 
but we want to invite you to come. And we want to, the, we want to the privilege of praying for you and praying with you. So I'm going to ask the elders and the pastors to come up. If you'd like for us to anoint you with oil, we would be happy to do that. And if you would like for us to pray for you, to pray with you, please come.
Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for inviting us to pray boldly and honestly. For giving us courage to relinquish all to you. We do want to pray your grace upon all who are struggling today with grief, illness, with pain and trouble. Comfort everyone in need. Comfort every aching heart, every burdened soul. Heal all of our diseases through the grace and power of who you are. We pray today for all in West Africa who are being affected by the Ebola virus. We pray that you'd bring an end to the suffering and infection, particularly among people who have endured so much hardship in the last few years. We pray for Alan and Sherry and their boys and their transition back to the States. And may their time here be a time of refreshing and restoration of their hearts and their souls. Father, open our eyes to your presence with us. Give us grace to continue to trust you as we surrender to you. We ask all of this through the mercy of Christ who goes to the cross for us. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing together.
May our God who knows our hearts fill you body, soul, and spirit with his grace and peace this day and every day. Amen.